Hey, this is Chris Torres. I'm the youth pastor here at Embrace Fellowship Church, and this is the Embrace Students podcast. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. I hope that you can enjoy today's message. I keep making mentions to like my kid and stuff. Uh, we've got a cute picture. Why don't you guys go ahead and throw up picture number one on the screen for me? Uh, this is my adorable little potato, Mateo. Um, yeah, Mateo is his name. We call him Potato, Tomato, you know, whatever. Uh, he's super cool, super cute. He is the happiest kid on earth in the morning and becomes the spawn of Satan around 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, so I was super excited to come be with you guys tonight because that means my wife gets to take care of him and I don't have to deal with a demon. I'm just kidding. I love my kid. He is unbelievable, but all the parents in the room know that this took like 13 Oh, okay, you, you, you beat me to it. The first picture took like 13 attempts to get. This is what the relationship's really like. He's screaming for like an hour and a half. I'm covered in unmentionable things uh, because he's been screaming for so long, and I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, I begin crying. You know, it's just, it's, that's the thing. It's, this is my kid. I love listening to him cry. It's weird if, if you have children in here, young children. I, I got to see Judah earlier. The man's running around, which is crazy to me. Uh, I'm happy for you guys. I still don't like kids, but I love my kid. I, I, that dude is awesome. He is the coolest Madden by far. Um, but I love listening to him scream, strangely enough. I, I love listening to his little coos. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't know how to talk yet, but when he wants attention, it's, <laughs> or when he wants a bottle, it's, <laughs> or when he wants you to know that you're doing everything wrong, it's, <laughs> you know, you never know what it's going to be. Um, but I love this kid. I love listening to him, and it, when Pastor Chris asked me to come speak to you guys, he gave me a very specific topic for you. It's revival, and I'm going to give a tagline away to it, uh, but revival begins with hearing the voice of God. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but there's a very specific line that Jesus says that will kind of kick us off tonight, and this is in John chapter 10, verse 27. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can use that. If you don't, you can use you know, your iPhone, your iPod, your iPad. Use your eyeballs, look on your neighbor, I don't care. Uh, Chris and Aaron sighed because they've been hearing me make that joke for six years now. Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 27, and this is Jesus speaking to both his disciples and to a group of Pharisees. And Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Uh, The title for tonight, if you guys like to take notes, uh, is I can't hear you. I can't hear you. If you guys would pray with me and we'll get started tonight, God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to learn from you. God, to learn about you, to be in your word. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts. God, open our eyes to what you have said, Lord, and help us to hear your voice because we know that revival begins by hearing your voice. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, help the Houston Astros as we've lost all of our players except Altuve. Help the Houston Texans as we have lost all of our players uh, in general. Help the Rockets because I don't even think they know what sport they're playing anymore. Uh, and help all the Cowboys fans because we don't like them, but we love them because you tell us to. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Any Cowboys fans in here? <laughs> all right, so uh, Chris, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, all right, Harrison, I drive a Nissan. If you want to slash my tires later, just <laughs> just getting that out there. Uh, oh, is there a garbage town on earth bigger than Dallas? I don't think there is. Anyway, let's get back to it. The title tonight is I Can't Hear You. Uh, I Can't Hear You. You guys, like, there's, a, there's several different groups of people that if you like, ask them to repeat themselves, they kind of take on the, one of these forms. Uh, I have learned in the course of having a kid that 
either I am going deaf or my kid is making me deaf because like I, I genuinely like struggle to hear anything out of my right ear. Uh, so whenever I have to pray with someone, I have to like lean close and put my left ear like up against their lips. And it's really weird, uh, but it's the only way I can hear what they're saying. And so like th- my wife has to repeat herself constantly. Uh, people around me have to repeat themselves constantly. I kind of think I need to get a hearing aid and I'm not, not even kidding about that. Um, that's a really sad thing. But <laughs> there's, there's several different groups of people that, you know, they kind of emerge when you ask them to repeat themselves. Uh, because this is a combined night, we've got youth and adults, youth and parents in the room. Uh, we're going to start with, I feel like all of our parents, or at least my generation's parents were all this. It was the don't back talk me parent. They say something and you didn't quite understand what it was. And you go, what? Instead of ma'am or sir, you go, what? And it was met with don't back talk me. And if you did it again the second time for the day, it was met with a, the backhand of don't backtalk me. Uh, it's child abuse now, but I'm telling you, you guys have it easy. Uh, the number of times I didn't hear what my mom said, and next thing I know I'm on the floor, is just astounding. That's probably why I'm deaf in this year, actually, thinking about it. Uh, anyway, the don't backtalk me parent. I was like, you didn't hear what they said? I, what? Don't backtalk me. I, I'm not. Like, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know what you said. I just told you not to backtalk me. Oh, yes, okay, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Uh, just can you repeat the first thing again? Why are you giving me sass? Oh, okay, nothing. Uh, sure. Love you, Mom. Uh, that's a glimpse into my psyche. Uh, the other one, and this is one that we have found my wife is like the biggest guilty party of. It's become a joke in her family. Uh, this is the only repeats unnecessary information person. They say an entire sentence, and when you ask them to repeat themselves, they give you the least important part of it. Like, Hey, be careful when you go driving later today. There's supposed to be a storm and the roads are going to be wet. I'm sorry, what? The roads are wet. No, no, what, what about it? They're wet. Okay, I don't, I, can you just start from the top and get over again? Um, which I realize now you probably need to hear her say this to get a glimpse of it. But that person, the one who only repeats the unnecessary information, uh, tends to lead directly into what I am, which is the immediately rage person. When you don't hear what I have to say, it's like, and right now in our room, because our, our kid is sleeping in the, in, not in the bed with us, but in the bedroom with us, uh, we have like a fan going, and a ceiling fan going, and a sound machine going, and one of our phones is playing sound too, just as a backup in case the power goes out, because when my kid falls asleep, I want him to stay that way until my alarm goes off in the morning, which very rarely happens. Uh, but we have a lot of sound in the room, and inevitably, it makes it very hard to hear each other when we're trying to communicate, especially if you're like doing a horse whisper across the room, trying to like not wake up your sleeping baby. And uh, it, it, I know this about myself. I'm praying for repentance. I'm praying for growth. But every time my wife says, "What?" I'm like, I want to hulk out, just, like rip out of my shirt, which I, I'm fat, so I can almost do it. I, like, flip something across the room, like, why, God, how dare you not hear what I have to say? And then I realized, like, oh, there's like 80 decibels of, like, background noise happening in this room. No wonder you didn't hear me. Uh, and then my personal favorite, which is going to be kind of hard for you guys who are sitting in the back to really understand, uh, this one is someone who repeats themselves without asking and without saying any noise and it's a very specific person uh this is a guy i went to college with named blake and he would always when he would finish making sounds with his mouth his mouth would keep moving so he'd be like good evening everybody nice to meet you 
and it like it, it annoyed the mess out of me because like I, why does he have a, like a nervous tick? Like why does he keep moving his mouth after he finishes talking? And one day I realized that he's just saying the same thing he just said without sound. It sounds stupid, right? I wish I was making it up. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Nice to be here. And you're like, dude, why are you doing that with your mouth? Why am I doing what with my mouth? Like, it's, it became the most aggravating thing. And it's like, man, I can hear you the first time. You don't need to make me read your lips in order to get what you're saying. Uh, but what I love so much about, like, these stories of people repeating themselves and, and trying to understand what they're saying is, like, we can see this all throughout the Bible. First and foremost, there were a lot of sassy examples there. And if you want, like, the king of sass, you need the king of the universe. Read some stories about Jesus. That man was sassy. Uh, I would like to remind myself or remind my wife of that whenever she gets mad at me for being sassy. I'm just like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just modeling after our Lord and Savior. Uh, no big deal. That never ends well, by the way. Uh, but when you read the history of like the Israelites, like go back to the Old Testament with me. When you read the history of the Israelites, there's a very specific flow to like every story, every generation, every different Old Testament book of the Bible that kind of jumps time periods. There's a very specific flow to it. They listen to God and things go well. Things go well, so they stop listening to God. They stop listening to God, and things start to go poorly. Things start to go poorly. They cry out to God. They cry out to God. God speaks. God speaks. They listen. They listen to God. Things go well. And it's like this repeating cycle of like, hey, God brought us out of Egypt because we cried out to him. Yay. Okay, we're out of Egypt. We don't care anymore. Boo. Oh, now we're wandering in the desert for 40 years. God, we need you. And it's just like this back and forth ebb and flow to the relationship between the Israelites and God. And, and we tend to like think of... Israelites is like ancient history. Like, no one's going to be like them anymore, right? That was at least 2,000 years ago. Like, there's no way we can be similar to that. But in reality, that's kind of the exact pattern that a lot of us follow. See, the Israelites, in the depths of their despair, in the depths of, of their depression, no matter what was going on, because they had turned their back to God, there always arose a prophet, a king, a leader. Uh, someone out of the nation of Israel would rise up and it would be known that they had been listening to God the entire time. And because they had been listening to God, they were able to lead the nation back on the right track. They were able to bring revival into the land. Someone who helped revive their faith in God and helped them to see that God never left them. They had just stopped listening. Like the Israelites, I think something inside of most of us, not everyone, as we're going to get into detail on this here in just a second, I believe most of us, something inside of us has died. There is something on the inside of us, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit, wherever it may be, there's something inside of us that has died. It could be a dream, it could be a desire, it could be the joy that you once had in worship, or the joy you once had in being around friends and family. Something inside of us has died because of the choices that we have made. We need to be revived. As Christians, as leaders in our community, which is what we're all called to be as people who are following Christ, we need to be revived. There was a, a statement in the generation before mine, it was called the frozen chosen. It's like they believed in Jesus, but they didn't do anything about it. It's a joke, but I mean, it's the truth. They called themselves the frozen chosen. And then you get to my generation and it's like, oh, we're great. We're going to change everything. And then we just kind of follow in the same pattern. And then I saw it when I was in youth ministry, and I see it now that I'm, I'm leading an entire church. But I also still see it in the youth is that we, get, we have a high. And we're going to reveal conference this weekend. Yeah! And then like a week later, it's just back down. We need a true revival in our lives. 
And I believe that revival in our lives starts with hearing God in our hearts. Revival in our lives starts with listening to God in our hearts. See, there's a great story of revival. Excuse me. A great story of revival that takes place uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Luke. And it's the resurrection of a man named Lazarus. Now, I'm willing to bet that most of us have probably heard the story of Lazarus. But if you haven't, I'm going to tell it anyway because my dog's name is Lazarus and I like thinking about my pup. I don't have a picture of him, but he's a 150-pound black lab. Great Dane mix. He's awesome. Mateo rides him like a horse. Uh, It's the coolest thing ever. Um, But Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus. He was a well-known man in the community. And the Bible tells us that one day Lazarus got very sick. And uh, his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, your friend Lazarus is very sick. Come visit him. And instead of immediately turning and walking the two miles to get to the town that Lazarus was in, Jesus hung out for four days. You know, your friend is sick. He's possibly dying. Like, there ain't good health care back in those days. There's not even a 24-hour clinic. Uh, it's like, here, put some essential oil on it and we'll pray. Hope for the best. That was a pointed joke. I'm so sorry. Uh, I make a lot of awkward humor. Like, if, if, you, th- if you think I think something is funny, just laugh. Uh, it'll make it so much easier for the rest of us, even if you don't think it's funny. I promise you, I can't tell the difference between real laughter and fake laughter. Uh, it's part of my going deaf thing. Um, I love how that just came full circle. There we go. Uh, but Lazarus is sick, and he's dying in this town, and Jesus just kind of takes his time nonchalant about it, not worrying about it. Uh, he even tells his disciples, don't worry, Lazarus is just going to sleep. He's going to wake up a little while. And uh, eventually... Jesus starts meandering over to the town of Bethany, which is where Lazarus was, and he finds out that Lazarus has died. And Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, are completely distraught over it. There's an entire group of people from the village that are mourning at Mary and Martha's house. There's another group of people that are mourning and wailing at the tomb of Lazarus. Like, this is a big deal. It wasn't just some random guy that was a friend of Jesus. This was a person that everybody knew and who had passed away. And Jesus took his time to get there. In fact, uh, Mary and Martha are a little, I mean, just a little upset by it. Uh, Martha tells Jesus that, Jesus, if you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. If you had just been here, that man was two miles away. Two miles away. He could have walked there in 25 minutes if he had long legs. 35 minutes if he's built like me. He could have walked there and kept Lazarus from dying. But instead, he took a very specific approach to it, which was to do nothing at first. And so he shows up, there's people mourning, Mary and Martha are extremely upset, they come to him, they say, Jesus, our brother has died, and Jesus says, don't worry, he's not dead, he's just gone to sleep for a little while. We'll pick it up in John chapter 11, verse 41. So they took away the stone, Jesus tells them to remove the stone from the tomb, so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank that you have heard from me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe me. See, I told you he was sassy. Um, When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. See, the power to raise Lazarus from the dead wasn't in what Jesus had done. It was in his voice. The power to bring revival into Lazarus' body wasn't in removing of the stone. It wasn't in talking to Mary and Martha and the mourners there. The Bible even says that Jesus wept when he saw them. The power wasn't in his tears. The power was in his words. 
If you want revival in your life, it starts with hearing the voice of God in your heart. Jesus joined them in the midst of this. He could have revived Lazarus from the town that he was in. He could have revived Lazarus from standing in Mary and Martha's house. He could have revived Lazarus on the two-mile walk with his disciples. But instead, he got in the midst of them so that he could speak to Lazarus directly. Think about it. In the book of Genesis, when we read the creation story, God created everything with his voice. He spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He spoke light and dark into existence. He spoke trees and plants and animals and water and everything into existence using his voice. If God can speak uh, life into existence, I believe Jesus can speak revival into existence. Jesus had to be close enough to Lazarus for Lazarus to hear him in order to experience revival. See, most of us have probably heard this story of revival. It's, it's nothing new. There's a reason why I didn't read all the verses about it, because most of us have probably heard it. But did you know that the story of Lazarus's revival actually started chronologically earlier and in a different book of the Bible? I'll prove it to you here. See, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, this is the first time we get a meeting of Mary and Martha. Now, Lazarus isn't mentioned in this section of verses, but we know from later reading that Lazarus is their brother and they're all friends. So in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. All the, the siblings said, Amen. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not, it will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus constantly taught his disciples in parables, and I believe that he's still teaching us to this day the exact same way. In the stories of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in, in Luke 10 and John 11, in these stories, we see four possible responses to what we can do when we hear the voice of God. You can listen like Mary. You can be busy like Martha. You can be blocked like the tomb Lazarus was in, or you can be dead like Lazarus. If revival starts with hearing God, we have to see what type of listener we are first. We have to see what response we have to the voice of God first. First of all, the easiest one is that of the listeners. It's that of the listeners. Jesus said this, he said, Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary is doing what is better. See, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. There was stuff to do. There were things to take care of. There was a house to prepare, there was a meal to cook, there was a table to set, there were disciples and their nasty feet all over her house. There were so many things she could have done, but instead she chose to focus on Jesus. Those that listen to God's voice are the true sheep that he speaks of back in John chapter 10. They know his voice. They know when he's talking. These are the people that you see in your life that seem like everything is just, man, God ordains every step and every thought and every walk. This is the praying grandmother that you know about or hear about, or maybe you have. This is the person that they don't spend all day praying, but they don't go an hour of any day without praying. Like These are the people that know how to talk to God, listen to Him, and hear what He has to say. 
Martha is saying, Jesus, she should be helping me. She should be working. She should be serving. She should be taking care of others. She should be doing all these things. And all those things aren't wrong. In fact, most of those things are things that we ask of people within the church to serve, to work, to worship, to make a difference. Those are right things unless it gets in the way of listening to Jesus. See, listeners hear God and God hears them because they're so close, because they're so in attunement with each other. Mary's literally sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the words that he has to say. If you want to make a difference in your school, in your workplace, in your family, in your youth group, in wherever, insert generic place here, if you want to make a difference, it starts with being at the feet of Jesus. See, our true purpose on earth, the reason why we're all here is to know God and to make Him known. Period. Know God and make Him known. All of this, all of that starts with having a relationship with Jesus. The entire point of having a revival is to be at the feet of Jesus and let Him speak life and speak love and speak words into you so that you can then take it into the world. It's knowing God at His feet and making Him known through the things that you do. See, Martha had it backwards. She was trying to make Jesus known by the things that she was doing, but she wasn't listening to Jesus to begin with. It starts at the feet of Jesus, and then it expands out from there. That's the first group. It's the listeners. The second group are the busy. The second group is the busy. This is Martha. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. I love that the, the writer of, of this chose that word, had. The preparations had to be made. How many times do we say something like that? Uh, Pastor Chris, I'm, I'm going to use you as an example. One, because I know you too, because I like poking fun at you. How many times have you looked at Aaron one random Wednesday and said, man, we have to go to church tonight? It's, it's a true statement, but it's the wrong statement. You know, I get to go to church tonight. I'm privileged to go to church and lead people. I'm privileged to teach people about the power and the love of Jesus. Yes, I have to do it. But I get to do it. See, Martha was too consumed with all the preparations that had to be made. She opened her home to Jesus. But you got to remember, like, these guys were friends. Like, we, you know, if, if students, bear with me. If you, like, invite friends over, your parents are, like, throwing things at you, telling you to clean up the house, mop the floor, mop the floor again, vacuum the rug, mop the floor again because you missed a spot twice, clean your room, make sure everything is in order. But then, then there's that friend that's got, like, just dirty house privileges. Like, you, you don't care how the house looks ever, but your parents don't care how the house looks because they've seen you fight, and so they know that things aren't clean all the time. Am I speaking to myself here? Like, I, I, look, I've got, I, even now, I have a house that I pay for, and it, man, live at home as long as your parents let you. I'm sorry, parents, I really am. <laughs> I have a house that I pay for now, and like, when we invite people over, we're going to clean it. It's going to be shiny. All the thousands of pounds of hair that my dog sheds on any given pet, I'm, I'm going to sweep and get it out of here. We're going to mop. Everything's going to be spotless. It's going to smell great. But I got some friends that like could just roll up whenever and bust in the front door, and I don't care. There's like, you know, a pair of my pants hanging over a couch in the corner, and like 87 pairs of my wife's shoes strewn all over the house. Um, like, it could be, I, I don't care. Because that's how close of a relationship we had. Martha and Mary are, and Lazarus are this close with Jesus. And Martha is getting so caught up with the things that she just had to do. See, a lot of genuine Christians fall into this busy category when it comes to their relationship with God. Busy doesn't mean away from God. Hear that. Busy does not mean that you're not close to God. Busy just means you're not listening at the time. 
See, when Jesus was speaking to Martha in this moment, pay very close attention to how he addressed her. He said, Martha, Martha. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here of the the Hebrew culture. Uh, When you see double names like that, Martha, Martha, it means there's a close, personal, intimate connection with that person. This is the person that has dirty house privileges. It's very close in nature. It's not speaking to some random person. It's saying, Martha, hey, Martha, listen up. This was how Jesus addressed Martha in the moment. Martha, Martha. We see it with other people in the Bible. It's done 10 different times. Three big examples. Moses, Moses. Or when Abraham's about to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of God calls out to him and says, Abraham, Abraham. Jesus right here, Martha, Martha. Jesus had a close relationship with her. She should have been listening to him, but instead she was busy doing things that didn't ultimately matter. She had the relationship. Being busy didn't mean that the relationship wasn't there. It just meant she wasn't listening. See, my wife and I like to cook big meals and then eat them over the course of time uh, to save money, uh, which usually means we cook big meals, we eat them once, and then we go out to eat later in the week, and then the next week I throw all the food away. Um, I, just hit, I just hit home for somebody over here. Uh-huh, that one hurts in the wallet and in the heart. Um, but I, like, I'm trying to be better about it. I'm, try, I'm trying to be better about it. And a few, weeks ago, or a few months ago, uh, my wife made lasagna. She makes the best lasagna on earth if she's in the room. If she's not in the room, it's top three. You know, just going to be honest with you guys. Uh, it's really good lasagna, though. <laughs> and uh, she made it, and like 10 days had gone by, and there was still one little piece sitting in the fridge. And uh, I was trying to find something to take to work for lunch, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to take this lasagna. And she said, babe, you don't need to take that lasagna. It's been there too long. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. My go-to is, it's not crawling away yet. It's safe. Um, those of you that leave lasagna in the first too long know exactly what I'm talking about. It wasn't fuzzy. We'll say that. And I was like, it's safe. I can eat it. It's cool. Whatever. Uh, you know, I, I trust you. I love you. I believe in you. But I want this lasagna. And so I took the lasagna to work. And later that night when I'm sick in our bathroom uh, and I'm thinking about the things that my wife had told me, it's, uh, one person caught that. Uh, I'm like not just thinking about the things my wife had told me in the bathroom as I'm sick. I'm thinking about every decision I've ever made in my entire life that has led to this one moment in time. Uh, as I'm thinking through all these things, it wasn't that I didn't trust my wife. It wasn't that I wasn't close to her. I just didn't listen at the time. How many of us are focused on something other than the voice of God in our life? We know Jesus. We've accepted him not just as the Lord of all creation, but as the sa- or not just the Savior of all creation, but we've accepted him as the Lord of our life, but we're just not listening to him right now. What other things are you focusing on? Could it be the approval of people? How about your job? That's a big one for a lot of people. Would it be popularity for a lot of you students or a relationship that just isn't right? Could it be finances? Like you're so busy focused on trying to make money that you're forgetting that God already owns everything. What is it in your life that's taking your focus away from God? It could be any number of things and none of them, here's the thing, none of them are inherently bad. None of them in and of themselves are bad. They become bad when they take your focus away from Jesus. They become bad when they make you busy. I have the privilege of having the greatest job on the face of the planet, man. I get to do ministry and call it a career, and I love every second of it. But there are days when I show up at my campus and I am moving chairs or I am meeting with a team member or I am having the same counseling session I've had 37 times with the same person, and I'm just like, am 
oh my God, I'm doing this for work right now. Not because I love Jesus. I get caught up with the tasks that have to be done instead of doing them because I love Jesus. I focus on the have to instead of the get to. Am I serving because I want to serve Jesus or am I serving because that's what I'm supposed to do? Jesus says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done also unto me. So an act of service, an act of worship, an act of sacrifice, any of these things can be done and they're good things and they're things God commanded us to do, but done out of the wrong heart or the wrong mindset makes them wrong in the moment. Jesus addressed Martha with this intimate form of her name to get her attention. Hey, Martha, what you're doing? It's not bad. It's just not right right now. See, busyness is the enemy of holiness. Busyness is the enemy of holiness. Students, you need to do your schoolwork. You need to do your schoolwork. You need to do your schoolwork. I said it three times, parents. Just so you know, you, ha- you need to do your schoolwork. But if you have procrastinated and played Fortnite or watched 87 hours of TikTok this week and you need to do schoolwork and it's Wednesday night and Pastor Chris is calling you wondering where the heck you are, and you're like, oh, I got schoolwork to do because I didn't have time this week, you have got your priorities in the wrong order. You have let busyness get in the way of the holiness that God has planned for you. Many of us aren't necessarily doing a bad thing. We're just not doing the right thing right now. And I believe that Jesus is calling to each of us intimately right now, using the double names, speaking to you as a friend. Lay down your burden. Lay down your busyness. Sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen. The third way that we see this talked about in the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is the blocked. That one's a little weird. It's not a person. It's the tomb, but it's the blocked So they took away the stone. Jesus told them to remove the stone from the tomb, and they took the stone away. For a lot of people, this is what we identify with in the story. The voice of Jesus couldn't reach inside the tomb because the entrance was blocked. There is no double name intimacy here because the name couldn't even get inside where Lazarus was. In the story, there's a large crowd of people mourning outside the tomb, wailing because Lazarus is dead. And if you read the story, Martha meets Jesus on the road. She hears he's coming and she goes and meets him and says, if you, weren't, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus asked her, who do you think I am? And she says, I believe you're the resurrection and the life. Yet when Jesus tells her to move the stone... When the man she just claimed was the resurrection and the life, when Jesus tells her to move the stone, she objects to it. Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha goes, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. He's been dead four days. Like, it's going to stink in there. We can't do that. I'm sorry. You just said he was the resurrection and the life. He came here to bring your brother back to life. He has given you one task and you object to it. See, in this moment, Martha was blocked. She was blocked. For the listener that is blocked, this is going to sound familiar to you. You know Jesus, but it's it's at an arm's length distance. You believe he's the savior of the world, but that's about as close as you get to him right now. Until you need him to make an appearance in your life. Until your brother is sick and died, and it's been four days, and you're still waiting. If you had just been here, Jesus, he'd be okay. Well, I'm here now. Who do you say I am? Are you the resurrection and the life? Okay, get this stone out of the way. No, I can't do that. 
How many of us have had that same prayer and that same conversation with Jesus? You ask him to make an appearance in your life, yet when he arrives and he asks you to do something, one thing, you object. What do you need to move in order to let Jesus in? What do you need to move in order to let Jesus in? What is the stone in your life that is making you block from hearing the word of Jesus? Is it a relationship that you have that you probably shouldn't have? Is it an addiction that you can't shake? Is it a sin that you won't repent of? Is it the idolatry of work or of money or of power? Is it something in your life externally that is blocking the voice of God from reaching you internally? Jesus, you can have my life. Okay, I want that. Nah, Jesus, you can't, you can't have that part. That one's just for me. Whatever it is, and I'm willing to bet that for most of you still listening, something came into your mind. Whatever it is, it is keeping you from hearing the voice of God. Jesus could have spoken the words to Lazarus. He could have used his words to move the stone himself. It would have been easy for him. He spoke it into existence. He could speak it to move over five feet. But he didn't do it. And the Bible doesn't tell us specifically why he didn't do it. But seeing what I see about Jesus, reading what I read about Jesus, knowing that he's sassy, but he's also very powerful and loving and commanding, I think he didn't move the stone himself for a very specific reason. Because he was willing to tell you what to do, but he won't do it for you. He will tell you what to do, but he won't make the choice for you. He leaves that up to you. Martha, move the stone. Ah, but but it's going to stink. Stop visiting those websites at home alone at night. Ah, but it's my comfort place. Hey, stop talking to that person you're not married to. Ah, it just makes me feel good. Like So many times we cry out to God, and then when he points it out, he could easily end it right there with a word. But he lets you make the choice. See, I've been at my current church for uh, a little over seven years now. And I moved out here to take a job. Pastor, Pastor Shannon asked me earlier why I moved out here. I moved out here to take a job. Uh, but there was another reason behind that. I moved out here to get out of the job that I was in before I came, which it worked out. Thank you, God. But I actually worked at another church before this one back in Alabama. And my leaders over me had in my head, offended me. Looking back, seven years removed, it was stupid. But man, that was all I could think about for years. It's how they did this, how they said this, how they didn't give me what I deserved. And I held that unforgiveness in my heart for so long. And Jesus is saying, hey, I've got so many great things for you, but I need you to give me that. Nah, God, no. I love you, Jesus. Hey, I'm praying. Hey, I'm leading students. Like, Chris and Aaron were on my team, and I'm still dealing with this issue. Now, God, I can't give you that. That's, I just want to hang on to it for just a little bit longer. And I took my staff for our youth team to a conference put on by the church that I had left because I was angry. And boy, when I tell you, it's really hard to worship in a room full of 10,000 people, or it should be really easy to worship in a room full of 10,000 people, and instead I'm standing there with my hands in my pockets just can't connect to God. Man, I'm banging my head against the wall. Like, why can't I hear you, Jesus? Why can't I listen to you? Why? I, I'm, I know you're speaking. Like, my team's like sobbing on the floor over here. And I'm like, ah, ah. 
I can't do it. And then between sessions, I ran in randomly in an arena full of 10,000 people. I bumped in to the pastor who was my boss when I worked on staff there. And Jesus kind of reminded me, you know, in his sassy self, hey, you, you know what to do. I don't want to. I don't really don't want to do that. And then the guy walked up to me. I haven't talked to him in three years. Went from texting him and calling him every day to not talking to him in three years. And he walked up to me. He said, hey, bud, how you doing? And in that moment, I had to let go of that unforgiveness. Over something so stupid. I had to let it go because it was keeping me. It was blocking me from hearing the voice of God. Jesus is telling some of you in this room to move. Move out of your job that's taking 60, 70, 80 hours of your life and go back to focusing on your family. To move away from your addiction to pornography. To move past your desire to stay seated during worship or to keep your hands in your pockets. He's telling you to move out of relationships with people other than your significant other. He's telling you to get past those issues of unforgiveness that I had. See, to experience revival, there's a stone in your life that has to be moved to let the voice of God in. And I believe that a lot of you in here struggle with that because that's an issue for a lot of Christians. If the band would join me back up here, I've got one more thing to talk about, and I'll try to stay out of your way. Man, I hope, I hope the voice of Pastor Chris... Okay, cool, I'm going to leave it here. They didn't want me to break it on stage. That's what it is. As they're coming up and getting, and getting set, there's one more type of listener when it comes to hearing the voice of God. And that's the one that Lazarus represents, the dead person. We arrive back to where we started, the dead. See, it's easy to look at Lazarus and say that revival was easy for him. Jesus spoke and came out of the tomb. It required no work. It was he, he wasn't even conscious for it. Jesus spoke, he came back to life. But see, Lazarus' revival didn't start at the tomb. Lazarus' revival didn't start as Jesus was on the way to Bethany. Lazarus' revival didn't start when they first told him that he was sick. The revival of Lazarus started way back in Luke when Jesus first met his sisters. It started with him being friends with Jesus in the first place. It started with a relationship with God. It started in John 11 where Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But because Lazarus had a relationship with Jesus, bringing him back was, I imagine, pretty easy. He had already done the work. It's already the relationship there. It was, oh, man, my friend's dead. Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out. But that's not the only time in Scripture we see Jesus bring somebody back from the dead. It's easy to see him do it from a, for a friend. But what about someone who has no idea who he is to begin with? See, there's a story of a man named Jairus, who's a leader in the synagogue at the time. And his daughter is very sick. And he hears Jesus is passing through town. He's never met Jesus. His daughter definitely hasn't met Jesus. doesn't even know who he is. And Jairus is at the end of his rope. He has no idea what to do. The doctors aren't helping. He's like, I'm, you know, there's this crazy prophet coming through town. I'm going to go check him out. And Jairus goes and he, he finds Jesus and he says, my daughter is sick. Can you heal her? And as Jesus begins walking back with him, this is where the story of the woman with the issue of blood, and she fights her way through the crowd, and she touches the hem of his garment, and suddenly she's healed. And in the moment that she is healed, 
one of Jairus' servants finds him and says, your daughter's dead. Now think about that for a moment. Jairus goes out of his way to find Jesus as a last-ditch effort to have a miracle for his daughter. On the way back to his house, another woman who is sick touches him and is healed, and then your daughter dies. Man, it'd be really easy as a parent. It'd be really easy for me to be incredibly upset with Jesus. It'd be really easy for me to be incredibly upset with that person because she got my miracle. That was meant for my daughter. But instead, Jesus keeps going because Jairus had the faith to ask him in the first place. Jairus nor his daughter didn't have a relationship with Jesus like Lazarus did, but they had faith in him. And because of their faith in him, when Jesus gets back to the house, he sees the dead girl on the bed and he says to her, little girl, get up. And suddenly, the revival that Lazarus gets later, the revival that Jesus promised all of us, the revival that only he can speak into existence, entered that little girl's body and she was raised back to life. She didn't have a relationship with Jesus at the time, but her father had faith. Just enough to make it happen. Some of you in this room right now need revival in your life because something has died. It could be as big as your faith. It could be that your faith was never alive to begin with. It could be crushed dreams or ruined plans or uh, removed joy. It could be so many different things. You have no relationship in Jesus with Jesus and it feels like your life has no purpose right now. Jesus didn't just have power to raise to life those who were his friends. He has the power to raise to life those who are dead, but they have just a little bit of faith. If you would bow your heads with me right now. Students, I know you're getting ready to go to Reveal Conference. And I can honestly say Reveal Conference is one of the greatest experiences you will have on your Christian journey. But I also know that revival doesn't have to take place in a huge auditorium with world-renowned speakers and bands, with an unbelievable sound system, and people who've been planning for three years to make this year's conference happen. Revival can take place wherever the voice of God is. And the voice of God can be anywhere. Right now, Jesus is calling to some of you. Whether you've been busy in the past, whether you've been blocked in the past, whether you are Lazarus, dead and buried in the tomb, Jesus is speaking to you. He's speaking through the busyness. He's speaking through the blockages. He's speaking into the tomb of your heart, and he's saying, rise. He's saying, come forth. The price you're trying to pay on your own, the the wages of sin that are death, the Bible tells us, you can't pay by yourself. Jesus has already paid it all, and he's telling you to come forward. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer with me. We've talked about those that are great at listening, those that are busy, those that are, are blocked, those that are dead. But this prayer is for that last group. It's for the Lazarus. It's for the Jairus' daughter that's passed away. It's for the one that's dead, but there's a little bit of faith. So if you would say this prayer with me, Jesus, I give you my life. I may be dead right now, but I know that you bring revival. God, let me listen to your voice. I remove all busyness. I remove anything that's blocking me. 
and I ask you to raise me to life. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is what I want to do right now. And you may feel a little different, but I have the microphone, so listen up. No matter who you are in this room, student, parent, pastor, worship leader, guy with a mustache, no matter who you are in this room, I guarantee you that you fit in one of those categories. If you feel like you're the person who has been blocked from hearing the voice of God, I want you to come stand up here. And you can stay seated if you want to, but I mean, at the end of this, everyone's going to be up here. So your choice. If you feel like there has been something that's been blocking you from hearing the voice of God, come up here. If you feel like you've been too busy to listen to what God has to say, join these guys up here. If you've been busy in your relationship with God and you're not talking to Him, you're not listening to Him, you're not spending time with Him. If you feel like your relationship with Jesus has just been dead and you just prayed that prayer, for the first time or the first time that you ever really meant it, come up here. We're going to go back to worship in just a second, but I want you guys who are standing up here to stay up here. You notice I left out the listeners for a second. You're the ones who are professing to be the praying grandmothers or parents or adults or students or whatever. Praying grandma just sounds better. We're going to pray for you guys up here because blocked, busy, dead, doesn't matter. We all need revival in our lives. We're going to pray for you guys. We're going to go back into worship. And then I've got one more thing that I want to do up here with you guys with Pastor Chris. But if you're still seated out there, if you would stand with us, you don't have to come to the front yet. Stand with us and just extend a hand to these guys who came forward, the busy, the blocked, the dead. And pray with me for them as we go into this worship song. God, we come to you now asking for revival in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus, for those that came forward that felt like they had something that was blocking them from hearing your voice, in the name of Jesus, we ask that it is removed right now. Whether it's an addiction, a relationship, a, a, a habit, God, whether it's, it's pain or abuse, whatever it may be that's holding us back, that's blocking your voice from coming in, we cast it away in Jesus' name right now. Like you told them to remove the stone from the tomb of Lazarus, God, I pray that the stone that is keeping their hearts from hearing your word is removed right now in Jesus' name. God, we pray this asking and believing that it can be done. But Lord, knowing that you have asked us to take the step ourselves. So for those that came forward with a blockage, God, I pray that they take that step to have it removed in Jesus' name. For those that came forward with busyness, God, they know you, they trust you, they believe in you, but they're tied up with the things of the world. They're tied up sometimes with the things of the church. God, they're tied up with the things of family or relationships or friends. Father, I pray that you remind us, and I fit right into that category. God, remind us that you said your yoke is easy 
and your burden is light. You didn't intend for us to be busy. You intended for us to be with you at your feet. God, give us all the mindset of Mary to just sit and listen to you teach, to sit and listen to your voice. God, let all busyness be passed away and cast aside in exchange for holiness. God, for those that were dead and they couldn't hear your voice at all, God, I thank you that you bring revival. God, I thank you that you have raised back to life. You have awakened something that was dead inside of us. God, I thank you for those that are dead that come back to life, for Lazarus, for Jairus' daughter, for those that were in this room on a Wednesday night in March. God, I thank you that you are the God of revival. Thank you for your life and for your mercy and for your love. And God, for those that are just listeners in here, Lord, help us stay close to you. Help us hear your voice more clearly than ever before. And God, help us lead those around. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in this week. We really hope that you were blessed by today's message. Why don't you consider sharing this message with a friend who may need it? And if you really liked it, subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages like this one. Remember, you are loved. Have a blessed week.